You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you stories that remind us who God is and who we are in Him. The Collected Podcast is a production of Collected Ministries. Follow Collected on social media at Collected Podcast. And be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and additional content related to today's episode. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 8 of The Collected Podcast. I'm your host, Jess Biondo, and I apologize in advance. I am losing my voice, but we have prayed and we're going to stick with it, and I'm believing that my voice will hold out. And the good news, listeners, is that you won't have to hear my voice a lot because I have a wonderful guest on for you today, and I promise she will do most of the talking. Um, so today, we're going to be talking to Rebecca George. She's the founder of Radical Radio a podcast community uh, where listeners are equipped to blend what they love with the Jesus who makes them shine, which is 100% the mission of this podcast as well, just in different wording, um, but we're all just spreading that same message. And Rebecca also has a new book out called Do the Thing, um, which she'll tell you more about. So Rebecca, welcome to the show. Jess, I'm so happy to be with you. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, thank you for being here. And as we start off, I was wondering if you could share a little bit about how you came to know the Lord. Mm, I would love to. So I was raised in the church, which I'm so, so thankful to say that I had that foundation growing up in my early years. And I was about 10 years old when I really began to realize, okay, I, at a head level, know what my sin is, and I know my need for a Savior. And I, the Holy Spirit began to really transform my heart of understanding, oh, wow, that's me. I need Jesus. And so I vividly remember on Easter Sunday when I was 10 years old, coming home from church with my parents, and my parents sat down with me and just walked through like, is this a decision that you think you're ready to make? And it was a really around the same time that the Holy Spirit had really began prompting my heart, which was so cool. And how he led my parents to just really kind of come to me and just have a conversation. And so I know for a lot of people, it's not a vivid memory of the day that they came to, you know, maybe they don't remember a specific day, but I do, which is so special. And so came to know the Lord when I was about 10 years old. And really in my college years, I would say, was the time when, um, you know, my beliefs and my my faith started to be challenged, right? Uh, walking into a little bit more of the world um, for the first time. And so that was really um, just a sweet season of discipling other women and, and students at my school. And probably the season also where God began to show me my um, just passion for encouraging and discipling women. And so that certainly, I think, has led to the work that I do today. And so anyway, that's where me and the Lord have sort of been. So I love that. And what is the work that you do today? I kind of introed it a little bit, but could you share with us more about how you started the podcast and the heart behind the book. And those might be two completely different stories. So feel yeah. free to go in any direction. Yeah, they are, but they're sort of related, right? So I got married about three and a half, almost four years ago. And when I married my husband, I moved from an SEC college town. I lived in Knoxville, Tennessee, to a very small town in South Mississippi of about 12,000 people. And everything that comes to mind when I say that and what that large of a transition would be like was was my reality. <laughs> and so um, 
God really stripped away so much of what was familiar and comfortable to me to really put me in a season of ministry that allowed space and capacity to dream and trust mm-hmm. him in these new spaces, being, you know, writing and speaking and podcasting. And so I had been dreaming of writing for most of my adult life. I have always been a reader. I can remember when I was a little girl playing library. Like, you know, if if you think back to your childhood memories, maybe you liked playing doctor or school teacher or whatever. I liked playing librarian. I had this system. This is is a long-winded answer. I had this system. I love it. (laughs) When I was a little girl where, like, my mom bought me the library pockets that you could buy with the little date stamp. And I had this whole Dewey Decimal system for all of my books, which if you know me now, you know, like, you— that's such a thread for what God would do in my life later on, which is just so funny to think back on. So anyway, I've always wanted to write. I've always been passionate about encouraging women. And so I was in this season where I had space to frankly do that, that I'd never had before. And so later in 2019, after we got married, I really sensed that that was the season that I was supposed to start a podcast. I'd been thinking about it and praying on it for a while. And so that was really when I started putting feet to that idea, and I launched it in early 2020, having no idea what we were all about to walk through. And I'm so thankful for just the community that that provided and um, and just what God did through those conversations to encourage people in the midst of what we all walked through. And kind of in tandem with that, I reconnected with um, the lady, amazing lady who is now my literary agent, Um, I had connected with her years prior at a conference and we reconnected and started working together and walking down the path of, you know, what's that message that I feel really called to share? And again, kind of looking at that thread of how God had been working and the conversations I'd been having with women, it really kind of came through of this idea of how do we connect our gifts and talents to how we're building God's kingdom and using those things for God's glory. And so that's really where the message of Do the Thing was born. And so I'm just super excited um, to just see what God does in us as we look to His Word to really seek out how does He want to use us in our time here on earth and um, how do we be faithful in that. So. Yeah. You know, when you were talking about how you moved from this big college town to a very small rural town, you know, I I imagine that there was a lot of—you had to let go of a lot of things— and Everything. build a new community and start over completely. And I, as you were speaking, I just felt like there's someone out there who's in a major transition where they feel like they're losing— everything that they had built their life on. Um, and you know, and you mentioned that that was kind of God's way of getting rid of distractions and setting you up for what he had next. But what kind of encouragement might you have for someone who's in the midst of that needing to mm-hmm. let go, feeling the loss, and it just feels too hard right now? Yeah. I would first say it's so hard. And at times it's awful. And there's space to grieve that, right? And I think sometimes we feel guilty 
for grieving, maybe the loss of a season that we're sad is coming to an end or or whatever it is in your own life, there's a very real grief there that Mm -hmm. if we ignore and we shove it down, it's a lot harder for us to be faithful. We start to resent and become bitter and all of those things when we don't deal with that grief. So I think I would one start there, but then from that place of, okay, Lord, I trust you. I'm entrusting this season to you and trusting that at the end of the day, you are so much bigger than my concern, my longing, um, my loss or perceived loss that I'm feeling. And, you know, really just taking some time to really ask the Lord, what are you creating space for, right? Because if there's loss, that also leaves room for God to do something new. And that's really where I was of, okay, I'm so thrilled to be partnering with my new husband in this new season of ministry. And there's so much excitement there. And also, I feel like I just laid down everything, yeah. right? And and so, Lord, I'm just looking to you with my hands open saying, what do you want to do and how do you want to use me in this season? God doesn't waste things, right? He makes all things matter. And so I think remembering if he's led you to a new place that, you know, maybe you're experiencing loss and grief because of that, um, we can't see what God's, you know, about to do in that in between, but he is at work in us. And that's that's where faith and trust in him comes really into practice and really a, a true surrender of our desires and laying those down and trusting Him for what He has next. Mm. What are some ways that God has surprised you in this new season of life you're in? I mean, you know, maybe the book, maybe the podcast, but kind of those are kind of the big picture. Maybe in the little day-to-day things, how has God shown up for you that has just surprised you or blown you away? Mm. The thing that I think has gotten me over the last couple of years, it just comes to mind as you say that, is we've experienced so much change. Mm-hmm. You know, I described to you the season of life that we had been in for the last few years. And um, the thing that encourages my heart so much in that is the fact that God's character is unchanging in the midst of our lives that that do change. Mm-hmm. And the reason that encourages me so much is we think about any other aspect of God's character, how he is infinite. He's so wise and ever present in our lives and he's omniscient. If he could change, then any of those other things that we know to be true about him could change too, Yeah. right? And so I think the faithfulness of God has just been the anchor that I have tethered myself to over the last few years because um, because of the amount of change we've experienced. And in fact, Jess, we actually, God led us about six to seven months ago back to Tennessee. So we moved back last summer. Oh, wow. And it has been, um, it's been so sweet to just um, appreciate all God did in those really hard three and a half years um, and really marvel at what he what he did uh, ministry wise and the doors that he opened. Um, and at the same time, 
grieve that too, right? Because that came to a close. And so it's been it's been just an interesting season of trusting in God's faithfulness and um, just how dependable and unchanging He is. Yeah. Although we know that at a head level, sometimes it surprises us on a heart level when He does sustain us and walk alongside us and empowers us by His Spirit. And um, I think when we experience that in a very real way, it helps us really live out the theological truth that we know mm. in our heads, but we have to live it out in our hearts. So I don't know if that makes sense, but that's yes, just what comes yes. to mind as you ask that question. Yeah, that makes total sense. That's so good. Um, and, you know, I just his faithfulness, the the everlasting God, the name El Olam is the name for everlasting God. And I mean, when you said that, I just got chills because that has been, like that character aspect of God has been on the forefront of my mind mm. for over a year now. It's just, I don't know, I keep digging into it. And so to hear you say it too, it's like God is so good to weave stories together and to, I don't know, keep bringing us back to who He truly is and that He never changes. And in this constantly changing world, He is our security and our rock. Yeah. No matter where he takes us, whether it's a big town or a small city, <laughs> he's there. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about your book, Do the Thing. So um, could you tell us a little bit about you know, what it's about, but also the heart behind like why you picked this topic and why why this is the one you went with? Yeah, absolutely. So the full title is Do the Thing, Gospel-Centered Goals, Gumption, and Grace for the Go-Getter Girl. And as I think back over the last, I don't know, eight to 10 years, there's been a lot of ink spilt over the idea of our purpose and our calling. And, and I've read a lot of those books and several of them, um, honestly just led me to be even more exhausted and in a state of striving and feeling like, man, purpose and calling feels so big. I just feel like maybe I've missed it. And I wanted to understand that for myself. And I, you know, in speaking and writing, I, I would come across women who just were wondering the same. And I would speak actually about a ministry that I led for five or six years before I started writing and speaking more, you know, than I used to. And I would speak to women's groups um, about what God was doing. And I would have women come up to me and say, you know, I love how God is at work and in your calling. And and I'm sensing that He's He's calling me or stirring my heart towards this particular thing. But and then they would hush to a whisper and there would be something that was holding them back. Mm-hmm. It might be fear, it might be doubt, it might be insecurity, it might be, hey, I feel and see this need in the world, but I'm just seeing that somebody's already out there kind of doing it. So what could I add that would build the kingdom and things like that? And so I just continued having these conversations with women and really wrestling through that in my own life. And really that's where the thread kind of came from of what if we took a look at what scripture says about our calling, about our work, about what it looks like to radiate the heart of Christ and all that we do And what if we actually took the gifts and talents that God has given us and we stewarded them in such a way that it built his kingdom and advanced the gospel? And we were able to actually 
take some time to think about what that would look like in our lives. And then there's moments that we all bump up against in our calling, whether it be, like I said a minute ago, fear, doubt, insecurity, comparison. And there's moments that we struggle with. Like when God calls us into something new, when mm-hmm. he asks us to lay down, lay something down or quit something that we thought was an assignment that would last much longer than it did, or maybe you're enduring through a really hard season in your calling and it's exhausting and you're overwhelmed and you just want to know where to turn in the midst of that. What if we actually pointed ourselves back to the only source of of true um true purpose and and in in those moments, right? And in yeah. a more gospel-centered perspective of that. And so that is my hope and my prayer for this book that really it's it's an answer to the girls who are maybe reading some of the other books that might be out there that are very not rooted in the gospel and they're just hungry for for just encouragement and truth that will lead them to a place where they're not striving. They yeah. are entrusting their calling to a faithful, dependable mm-hmm. God and they're taking step after step in that direction. And so that's my that's my hope and my prayer for this message. I love this. It's so good. I'm going to have to read this. Um what is you know you talk about more the heavenly perspective or eternal perspective of calling and that kind of whole idea of calling. So what is that? Yeah. Yeah, that's such a good question and an illustration I love to use that God really used in my own life. It comes from um, the Old Testament when actually the Lord is giving Moses instruction for how to care for the temple and, and the tabernacle. There's this passage in Leviticus where it talks about how to care for the oil lamps within the tabernacle. And I remember reading that passage a few years ago. And you know how sometimes you read a passage in, let's say Leviticus, and you're like, okay, Lord, what do you want to show me here, right? And I remember asking the Lord that that day. And as I was reading, I just was thinking about how, you know, in that time, that oil lamp would be the very light source for the presence of God, right? Mm -hmm. Within the temple. And we look throughout scripture and when we see you know, when we see Jesus, he he calls himself the light of the world. And then after Pentecost, after, you know, we're now indwelt by the Holy Spirit, we have the very presence of God. We have the Holy Spirit residing in us, right? And so we, as followers of Christ, are able to walk into our community, into our workplaces, into the spaces that God has called us to encourage and influence and go and make disciples with the very presence of God that was localized to the temple and the tabernacle at that point in time in the Old Testament, right? And so to think about it from an eternal perspective is to remember, one, who we are in Christ, and two, some of those biblical truths that we might know on a head level, right? Like I I memorized, you know, the passage in Romans that talks about the fact that we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and I knew that most of my life. I was came to Christ at a young age, but what does that look like on a Tuesday when I'm overwhelmed or I'm doubting and I'm insecure mm-hmm. and I just want to trust God and remember that it's not all on me. It's not all up to me. He is at work within me and I'm given the opportunity to partner with Him and co-create with Him on this side of eternity. 
what a gift that is, right? And and with that, you know, I think we feel so overwhelmed many times of, again, back to it's it's all on us or up to us. And a thing I say often is, you know, the outcome is his, but the obedience, the faithful next steps, that's ours. The, o- mm. the outcome is his, the obedience is ours. And so I think if we really take some time to really search the word and pray through some of these truths that maybe we've known for a while, but the actual application of them within the context of our calling maybe hasn't happened. I think we'll walk into some of those hard moments of our calling with our shoulders just a little bit taller, not because of anything we've done, but because of the biblical truth that we stand on in our calling. Mm. Man, that's good. And I also felt very convicted because I'm in Leviticus right now. I'm reading through the Bible in the year. Yeah. In a year. And oh, I'm in Leviticus. And it's hard to like it's hard. It's hard to hard really book. not just skim over. I'm like, okay, God, mm. this is in the Bible still for a reason. There is wisdom still and truth in here, even though we're not under the Old Testament law anymore. You can still reveal yourself through this. So you just bringing up Leviticus with this incredibly timely insight and look at, you know, the character of God and the light and like, oh, okay, that conviction was for me. (laughs) That was good. Um, So as you were writing this book about your calling, you know, the, the irony is that you're writing about calling and that is you living out your calling. Yeah. So through that process, were there any ways that the devil tried to creep in with insecurity or doubt or like in the writing process, was there anything you personally had to overcome to see through, you know, see your calling through? Oh, absolutely. I think the the thing that every writer has to grapple with is we actually have to live out the message that's within the pages of the book that God calls us to write, right? And so in a very real way, I've had to grapple with that myself. And the enemy would love nothing more than to steal, kill, and destroy the very thing that you know, God has called me to write. And so that was absolutely the case. I think one of the biggest lessons in that that's coming to mind is just this idea of surrender, right? The publishing journey, especially right now, is a long one, right? Mm-hmm. I've I had dreamed of this for about 10 years before um, I actually got to hold a physical book that I'd written in my hands. And there's such a balance in one, finding the right partner. And I'm so thankful for my publisher and um, just how they have not compromised the message that I felt God had put on my heart. And they've been just an incredible partner in this. So I think one, you need that. But two, um, you just have to keep your hands open of what God wants to do in and through the the process, right? I had a... You know, if I if I said her name, everyone would know her name. But and I'll just for her privacy, I won't I won't say her name. But I had a friend share this piece of advice with me early on in the process. She was recounting some of her own experiences in the publishing industry, and she said, "Rebecca, the thing that God gave you, the message that He put on your heart, is is precious. Mm-hmm. But don't be precious about it. 
right? Hold it with open hands and be willing and flexible to go where God leads. And, um, you know, and that there's hard moments in that, where whether it be, you know, maybe you face rejection or maybe working through your first couple rounds of edits. That is a grueling part of the process and just remembering at the end of the day to be, to be coachable. And while we might be subject matter experts on what God calls us to write, as a first-time author, we're not the expert on writing. Yeah. <laughs> right? And so I think remaining coachable has been uh, just really key throughout the process and just kind of being open to um, open to encouragement and influence of the people that are a part of the process and keeping my hands open to what what God ultimately wants for it. And mm. so that's what's coming to mind as you ask that question. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And I mean, I think no matter what your calling is, like listeners out there, you may not be led to write a book that might not be in your future. But I think that, you know, default to insecurity, it's so hard to break that pattern when maybe that's what you've always relied on or fear or anxiety or like whatever your... I don't know, the go-to place in your mind is yeah. that can tear you down and keep you from moving forward. Like what what encouragement might you have for people who feel like they're stuck in that cycle of continuing to fall back on fear, insecurity, anxiety, mm. whatever it may be? Yeah, I love that. What's coming to mind there is an exercise that I walk women through often, and I've done this in my own life, And it's going back to this passage in Philippians. And we probably, if you've been around the Bible a while, if you've memorized some scripture, it's likely that you've you've spent some time in this passage, but it's where Paul is encouraging the church to think on what is true and praiseworthy and just and all of these, all of these awesome words. And so what I have done that has helped me in these moments is to grab a journal. And maybe you're not a journaler, but there's just such value in taking time to walk through this exercise. And I go to that passage in Philippians 4, and I just write, is this true? Is this honorable? Is this just? Is this worthy of praise? Is this excellent? And then ask myself a better set of questions that leads us to hopefully a more gospel-centered view of what we're walking through of what is true, what is just, what is praiseworthy, what is excellent, and really asking God, what do I need to lay down that is not from you, whether that's fear, doubt, insecurity? What is the core of what I'm believing about myself or my calling that, frankly, you didn't put in my heart? And maybe it's a lie of the enemy that I've I've been struggling and, and really believing. And how do I lay that down to trade it for a better truth that is what you say about me, what you say about my gifts and talents, what you say about the work that you've called me to do in this season? And um, I think that leads us towards a more truth-centered perspective, whether it's fear, whether it's doubt. Um, and then I would come back to, you know, it's not, so much that we won't experience fear or that we won't experience doubt, um, but remembering where to turn when we do, right? We are broken human beings that we're just trying to be faithful on this side of heaven. But in those moments, 
of overwhelm, of fear. Um, you know, we see in scripture that God did not give us the spirit of fear. And so surrendering that to him and and really turning to him and looking to him in those moments. Mm-hmm. Yes, amen. That's good. And so I guess maybe I should have asked this question much earlier, but to kind of back up to that listener out there who's like, okay, this all sounds great, but I don't even know where to start. Like this idea of calling seems daunting. Like I, I'm not writing a book. I'm not a missionary. How, you know, how how to encourage that person of like, what is the first step in identifying who God uniquely created you to be? Ooh, I love this question. I love when people ask me this question. So I'm going to encourage your listeners to get out a piece of paper and a pen and over the next couple of days, work through this exercise with the Lord and just seek His wisdom on it. But there is this exercise I take women through where we we essentially do almost a, um, I'm trying to think of the word. It's the end of the day and words are like, I'm, ha- I'm struggling to come up with the word. It's a Venn diagram. That's what I'm searching for. <laughs> Do we remember Venn diagrams for, from early on in school, right? Where you take two concepts and you sort of compare and contrast them and you see where they line up in the center, right? So with this Venn diagram, there's three circles that we're filling in. The first one is what matters to you. And so I would encourage you to brainstorm on what do you lose track of time doing? When you wake up in the middle of the night and you feel passionate about something what is that thing that your heart feels stirred towards or maybe you feel really gifted in? The second bubble is what matters to God? What do we see matters to Him and His Word? Um, and and just really brainstorm how that might connect to what matters to you, right? And then the third circle is what matters to other people. What are some really mm-hmm. practical needs that you see in the world that you think, okay, what matters to me and what matters to God actually line up really well to serve that need that I see in the world of what matters to other people. And sort of the intersection point of those three things is a really good kind of breadcrumb trail Mm. for where God might be leading you. A good example, even for you, Jess, where I would, I'm just putting myself in your shoes of starting this podcast and thinking, okay, I feel passionate about equipping women within you know, with the word of God, I love encouraging women. That also matters to God, right? And there's there's women out there who will be encouraged by what God puts on my heart. And so the intersection of that is this, this medium where God allows you to encourage women. And so just using you as an example, but for the listener coming to the conversation, taking some time to really think and pray through that. If you feel confused mm-hmm. or you feel like, I don't really know where God's leading me, can be a good place to start. That is so good. And when you're in that first circle of the Venn diagram of what matters to you, listeners, I also encourage you to not think anything is like too small or too insignificant. Because all those little pieces that make you you, God can use every little bit of them. Even if it seems like, like I can get lost in a puzzle. I love puzzles Mm -hmm. so much. And it seems so nerdy, but it's so true. But even that, it's like, that's how my brain is wired. And so I like solving puzzles in other areas of my life and Mm -hmm. scheduling things and working behind the scenes. And it's like that little thing of, I like puzzles, writing that down later. I think when you look back at that Venn diagram, you'll see how God used all of those things that are unique to you 
in a way that you could have never imagined. Yeah. So nothing is too insignificant. Write it all down. No, no, it's so good. And he doesn't waste anything, right? I think yes. back to early early days of my career. For many years, I was a corporate recruiter. And that felt very mundane to a girl who felt called to ministry, right? I felt kind of stuck in corporate America. And what I didn't see at the time was I was spending all of my days asking people questions, right? And hiring great people for organizations and learning how to be a good interviewer, which would be a very necessary skill for where God would call me in the next five to 10 years. And so I think if also you're feeling stuck in a season of, gosh, I feel like there's more for me. God doesn't waste where he has you now. And it's likely a very important part of how he's refining you for where Mm. he's taking you next. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier, you know, it took your book 10 years to come to fruition. And, you know, so some things take time. Yeah. And that's part of the process. Um, Speaking of time, we are almost out of time. Yes. Uh, But before we go, and before I have you tell everybody where they can find you in your book, um, my final question is, what did I miss? What is something I cannot let you leave without you sharing today? Yeah, I think the thing that I would want listeners to remember about their calling is that It was God's good idea long before it was yours, right? We see in the book of Ephesians that a really popular verse of, you know, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared long in advance for us to do. So before the foundation of the world, God knew how he would knit this desire into you. And it was his idea long Mm -hmm. before it was yours. And so entrusting that back to him, really is where we have to start as we begin to take those faithful next steps or even walk through those really scary um, first steps of maybe a new assignment. Um, just remembering that Scripture says He he gives us what we need. He, he equips us with what we need to live a life of righteousness and to follow Him and take faithful next steps. And so I think remembering that at its core really helps mm-hmm. me. Mm. See, that's why I always end on that question because it's Always good. It's always the Mm. best answer. Um, So where can people find you and your podcast? And when does your book come out? And tell us all the things. Absolutely. I hang out the most over on Instagram. My handle is at Rebecca George Author. My podcast is called Radical Radiance. We release conversations every Tuesday that point us back to what it looks like to radiate the heart of Christ and all that we do. So I'd love to have you over there. And then the book releases on April 4th, but it is actually on pre-order right now. And we are giving away a ton of really fun pre-order gifts for those who pre-order the book and sign up for the launch team. So we're giving away a 30-day devotion an audiobook version of that devotional narrated by me, a quiz, and um, it's called How Well Do You Know Your Calling? So you can sort of identify where am I today in that conversation so that that can hopefully guide your reading of the book. And then there's a goal planning guide that can help you walk through your next steps of taking those faithful next steps in your calling. And all of those resources you can get in on for free by going to dothethingbook.org. And I will put links to all of that in our show notes on the blog and in the show notes um, here under the podcast. So, Rebecca, thank you so much for being on today. 
Jess, thank you so much for having me. I'm grateful. I loved this conversation with Rebecca and just the wisdom um, and insight she has about pursuing your calling and reminding us that God is unchanging. And even when our life circumstances change, He is constant and steady and steadfast and faithful to provide and to continue to show us who He is and who we are in Him. And um, your calling, it's so unique to you and no one else can do it. Um, You know, every little oddity that you have and things that maybe don't seem like they make sense in your life yet, God will weave them together into a picture that will be more beautiful than you could have ever imagined. Um, As Rebecca was sharing, I was thinking about my dad's life and how he has had all sorts of different jobs that are all over the place and different education experiences and travels and so many different things in his life that he's passionate about. And in this job he's in now, you know, he shared this on the podcast a while back, but it's insane to look at how this position he's in now in his 60s uses every little thing from his life leading up to that moment. And all of these passions and skills that seem so unrelated, he uses all of them now in the current work he's doing. So that's just very inspiring to me. And reminds me that God is never finished. He's continually working. As long as you are breathing, God is working in your life. Um, And so continue to seek Him. And you may not see the full picture yet, but all of these things that you love or feel like you might be good at, God can use those. And and He's going to. Um, So that is what I'm going to leave you with. Thank you for sticking with me despite my squeaky voice. I hope it um, I hope it wasn't too distracting. But you all are wonderful and I'm so blessed by this podcast community and just people who pop in just for one episode or come back week after week, however often you listen. I am so thankful for you and just pray for you regularly and I'm inspired by the stories I hear about your lives and the things that you're learning about God too. So continue to share, continue to check us out on Instagram at Collected Podcast. We changed it from Collected Ministries to Collected Podcast. So check us out there and I'll see you next time. Have a good week. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Collected Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you'd help spread the word. Check back here for new episodes dropping every other Thursday. You can follow along on social media at Collected Ministries.